Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Good morning, a warm welcome to Luck on Sunday this Sunday morning. We're all up late for a brilliant Breeders' Cup last night, which means a couple of things, not a huge amount of sleep, and some very stale-looking croissants in front of me. I'm sure Mr Luck doesn't have to put up with this. But there you go. I'm still looking forward to all the action that we're going to be discussing. We're reviewing plenty. We are going to start with reviewing, though, and I'm pleased to say that, as was the case with the Breeders' Cup last night, my guest alongside is Jane Mangan, who barked over at me, purse money only. Quite right, Jane. Not put, There was no pool money, for, as far as modern <laughs> games went. It was all about the purse money, but he did take the lot. They're two very important words. We will have to concede that we have, we're operating on minimal sleep. Um, it, was, it was high drama over the last couple of days, wasn't it? Do you enjoy all the Breeders' Cup action? I always enjoy the Breeders' Cup. I think this year in particular, I suppose, with the European success, that, you know, gives us a little bit more. The fact that Japan were on the board twice last yeah. night. If we, if we want something to be a world championships, it, it genuinely has to attract the best international horses. Mm. And we saw that, I yeah, think. I think so. I think this is, you know, that's what, exactly what John Gaines and the, the group of pioneers that set it up back in, well, initially 1982 when the, when the idea was formulated, that's what they hoped for. And I think there was really a sense of that with such an international challenge last night. Let's get, let's get into the review of the, the Breeders' Cup because that's what we're going to do initially. Um, we will work our way back from, from the feature and start with Nick's go, who, who took the classic. Um, uh, Brad Cox had a couple in the race, Jane. Um, and we talked on the show about how, you know, he, he had two horses with very different run styles. Essential Quality, who was really under the pump from the, from the word go on the back on the inside. And Nick's go, who didn't necessarily get an easy on the front end, Jane, but was still allowed to do his own thing. And when you do that with a horse of the quality of Nick's go, you're in trouble. Yes, we were actually making the point all night that we were thinking this, if this horse gets an uncontested lead he'll be gone and Medina Spirit it was traditionally a horse that went forward and pressed pace, Johnny Velasquez opted to break from the gates and not apply any pressure to the Bob Baffert horse leaving the grey in front with an uncontested lead to basically build up his own pace, in contrast the Godolphin horse, uh, the other grey in the race essential quality, he's behind the bridle, he needs more of a stamina test but look at the winning margin Tom, you can't help but feel that this horse is by far the best in the race on the day anyway and to be honest, if, you know, Medina Spirit had crossed the line in front, it was going to be a little bit of a moot point from a, an international mm. racing spectrum. In contrast, Brad Cox, he prepared this horse brilliantly. He's had a wonderful season with him. And uh, that was, I think, a nice way to wrap up what was a really good, good night's racing. Yeah, I mean, had Medina Spirit taken the race, we'd be leading with a very different story this morning. But it was Nick's go who took it. He just had himself to, to prove at the trip. That was the main thing. I think two turns really helps his style of racing. And he ran out a ready, a ready winner. Did it feel in any way anticlimactical, given how we'd, how we'd built it up at all, or not necessarily? I felt that they had a chance to go get him if they were good enough. I feel maybe G uh, Johnny Velasquez would, would have maybe liked to ride the race again. He might have been more forceful. But as it transpired, he, the, Nick's go had some of the best form in the race. I think maybe essential quality being the three-year-old that probably needs a further trip, um, he maybe didn't give his true running. But take nothing away from the winner. I think that was a genuinely uh, classic performance in the classic. And... Um, He's, he's a superstar, and he deserves to be recognised as such now. Yeah, a brilliant performance. A good time as well from uh, Nick's Go, trained by this man, Brad Cox. Breeders' Cup, classic victory. Nick's Go. Just what type of performance, what type of horse is that? I mean, he's, he's a tremendous horse. He's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a champion now and uh, just very proud of the performance today. You know, I, I, it, this was a tough race for me to watch, honestly. I mean, I love EQ. Um, you know, I love Nixco. They've done so much for me. It was a hard one to watch. But, I mean, it was a great one to watch. But, you know, I, as they're coming down the lane, I mean, you know, I'm wanting Essential to get there and kind of almost have him duke it out, you know. And he got up for a, a big third-place finish today. I was very proud of him and, obviously, Nixco. It, uh, it was odd to watch, to be honest with you. I know it sounds crazy. 
crazy, but like, you know, I think someone said earlier, I mean, these are like your kids, you know, and you don't, you, when they face each other, it's tough to watch one, uh, you know, de get defeated. So, I mean, like I said, essential, I mean, ended up third is a big performance. So I'm proud of him and, and obviously next go. I know you keep things very close to the vest, but there was a point in time in your career where your stable was down to about two horses. When you look at where your stable is at today and you're at Breeders' Cup Classic winning trainer to your resume, what do you think? You know, it's hard to say, Brittany. I mean, honestly, I'm someone that's looking uh, out the front front of the windshield. I don't look in the rearview mirror much. And, uh, you know, there's a lot left to um, accomplish in this game. We're very proud of what we've done. we got a great team, great assistance, great owners, great help. And, uh, you know, we just got to keep marching forward and uh, very proud of what our team's done. Congratulations. Thanks, Brittany. I appreciate it. A very humble and modest Brad Cox. Yeah, Nick's going to have taken the, the mile in record time the, the year before. Just a, a line on the mile winner this year. We're not going to spend long on life is good, but I know you were very taken with that performance. Yeah, I think he's a superstar in waiting. He's won a Breeders' Cup now. You think, well, he's kind of proven it, but he could have legitimately lined up in the Classic. He's a horse that was moved from Baffer to Todd Pletcher, and I think going forward, he's got the international pattern at his mercy. He could go to Gulfstream, he could go to Saudi. But I think working back from next year's Classic, he is a formidable horse. I think he'll follow a very similar path to that which Nick Sko did, Pegasus World Cup, Saudi, and then and then onwards off the back of that, stepping up in distance. Um, right, as far as the turf went, it went to Yabia. They seem to have found the, the key to this horse, which is, well, first of all, he was gelded, then the hood on. I mean, he still took some restraining, but it was a stunning performance, second last to first, ultimately. And it's a short stretch as well, but he's still got the job done. Yeah, isn't that something with Delmar? Usually we get really frustrated and distraught, but it seems if the horses were good enough on this occasion, they got there. Tarnow on the outside didn't run maybe as good as she. We've seen for her from the past. There was a lot of pressure on her down the back stretch, and I think Colin Keane was as close as he wanted to be, or as he could be at various points of this race but just look at Broom heading for home in the Matsushima colours William Buick wheeling out he's plenty of ground to make up and the turn of foot he has shown despite being you know too exuberant in the early part of this race is very impressive but it kind of wrapped up what was a brilliant two days for Charlie Appleby and his team throughout this flat season his horses have been in incredible health and I think it's a lovely way for them to mark what has been a breakthrough season OK, devil's advocate hat on. Tanawa disappointed. Yabir beats Broom, beats Tayona. Not the greatest mile. Japan. Not the greatest mile and a half turf race we've ever seen. You could argue that, but the way he quickened up in the straight for him was a very impressive performance, regardless of the rest. Yeah, and, a, and I think a sign of, of what a quality training performance. You know, they've... I think there's almost been an element of pride swallowing, putting the hood back on the horse and saying that he needs that to be at his very best. Um... But he was better than ever there, and, and he's gone on quite the journey this year from when he was sent off, I think, at the head of the market for the Sandown Classic trial and was beaten by stable companion Adar to, to now coming and winning a Breeders' Cup Classic. I thought he was a stare. Isn't that ridiculous for a horse that turns in in a 200-metre straight and quickens like he does? Um, but he, he proved me wrong. He, I think William Buick, even in his post-race interview, was surprised at how much he could find despite having raced the way he did a lot of people were talking about draws in the preliminaries of this uh, carnival and when you think where he came from in that race, if you're good enough, you win. Mm. Let's hear from uh, William Buick now. William, what a Breeders' Cup it's been for you, Charlie Appleby, good off in racing. Can you just talk about just having this much success on the world stage with, with this group? Uh, it's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words, really. I mean, it's, I'm in a very privileged position to to work for Godolphin and Charlie and Hussain and Sheikh Mohammed and to ride these great horses and um, you know I've been given plenty of good opportunities over the years here at the Breeders' Cup and uh, you know it's not easy you know you come over here and you take on the best jockeys in the world and, and the great horses so today is and yesterday is unbelievable I'm you know I'm lost for words this horse to be honest I can't quite believe what he did today um, he was he was pulling my arms out for the first half, you know. Um, and to be honest, I thought we were in trouble. You know, I thought he'd done too much. And But when I asked him the question, Tony for home, I know he covered ground, but he had momentum. And he was amazing. Yeah, unbelievable performance, really. Yeah. Performance. Well done. Another perfectly timed ride. 
by William Buick. Let's go to Kenny Rice. All right. Uh, breaking news. Charlie Appleby is now going to set up shop here at Belmar. He's won three in this weekend, two today. Uh, what about this victory, Charlie? Uh, delighted. I'm just delighted for the team. They've done such a fantastic job shipping these horses here and looking after them for the week. They look the picture. Couldn't have been any happier with the way they've prepped. Um, and uh, a lot of credit goes to Shane Featherston who rides this horse. He's not the easiest character. Um, even this morning, done well to hold on to him. He nearly got away from him, just leading him out. But um, look, to have three winners here on this, this uh, world stage is fantastic. And uh, I say, I'd like to thank His Highness Sheikh Mohammed for allowing me to have this position and um, thank all the team that have been able to put me here as well. So uh, it's, uh, it's great for, like I say, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed and, and Team Godolphin. So uh, what a weekend. Charlie Appleby, Jane, best trainer in the world right now? He's got the best results in the world right now. And he's got some of the best horses in his barn. Um, we saw essential quality bow out uh, his career in the classic. Well, Charlie Appleby, I'd say, was pretty pleased that Space Blues could do the same in a better fashion. He's been, I suppose, one of Charlie's uh, key horses this season. And the fact that he races his horses on, I, I suppose it's with the support of Godolphin that he can keep these horses in training and let them show their true fruition or their true ability over years. For all um, your beer, perhaps didn't have the ideal trip early doors. Space Blues did, I think it's fair to say. Things just went perfectly from the gates. He was in the ideal position to attack. Given the pace they went, he was in the right place. And he showed his class as well. And he proved he stayed the trip. He proved he stayed the trip over two turns. You know, we think in, in Europe, oh, the American mile is, is not a true mile, it's a seven furlong specialist. This guy is a seven furlong specialist. He saw it out. I, I don't know if the uh, Irish horses ran their races. Pearls Galore was a little bit closer to Space Blues in France, maybe not uh, quite as much here. Uh, Mother Earth found herself in a very unfavourable position, having suffered interference early on, and Mo Fours out the back as well. So. Space Blues has danced a lot of dances this year from the city of York to France to here on various different grounds. He's been very versatile and I think that uh, that win has sealed his credentials in, in Stalin Barn and um, it was just a nice way to tee off his career. Yeah, um, they, they need that, that bar at Nottingham commemorating all the subsequent Group 1 winning horses that have uh, started their career with a Nottingham maiden win. Space Blues needs to go up there I think off the back of that now. Um, Oh, it's a it's a sign of the quality. We, we did a feature at Dallam Hall recently, Jane, and the, the quality of Stallion they had there was, I think, now quite frightening. Um, he's a sign of that. The Godolphin Blue, that their their success of late is probably a, a sign of that, just the quality they have there, and that's a great sign for them for the future. It is, but I suppose Dubawi has been, like Galileo for Aidan O'Brien, yeah. Dubawi for Charlie Appleby has been pivotal, and we saw three of his winners by Dubawi, and I think Space Blues is out of rumpf. Does that make him a sister to Wild or brother to Wild Illusion? You know, that's it's not just on the sire line either. Um, but it, it, it works and William Buick is, you know, a bit of an asset too. Yeah, exactly. He's really running at the top of his game. I think the it was a welcome tonic to missing out on the jockeys championship by two going getting three breeders' cup winners. So there you are. Um right, what about the um Japanese performance? They obviously won two races. Love's Only You was certainly the more fancied of their their two winners. She took the Breeders' Cup. Philly and Mares. Um, did you think at this point in the race, Jane, that she was the most likely winner? I, I, I think you'd be brave to make any kind of assumption. I thought at this stage William Buick had done very well from gate 12 to get in Audaria, but unfortunately there's going to be a, a concertina effect when the horses in front come back on top of him and ultimately stops him in his tracks. Love had had a little bit of a turbulent journey, a little bit behind the bridle, uh, but did stay very well and the filly on the very outside, warlike goddess, commits a little bit early, I thought, under Julian Laparou. But here we are, uh, straightening up the black colour. She's eventually going to split the thread the eye of the needle almost, but she su sat and suffered off the bend and quickened up the best of the rest. She had been third behind Chronogenesis and Mishrik. She had top class form coming in here. She comes from the Rumpelstiltskin Miesk family, Miesk, a Breeders' Cup champion herself. And Japan have invested heavily in uh, European mares, brought them over, mated them with his highness deep impact. And uh, this is just one of the resultants. And this, I think, will do work wonders for Japanese racing. And it's only the start of things to come, or a sign of things to come. I think it's going to do wonders for the sale of purple hats. I think they're going to go through the roof. I was going to wear a green hat in here, but I was told it wasn't allowed. No, I mean, you risked enough by wearing green <laughs> shoes, Jay. Let's be honest. We were worried your feet were going to disappear, but we can see them. 
um, which is good. Uh, what about? Um, oh, we're going to mention the other Japanese winner, which was Marsh Lorraine. Um, uh, this was something of a surprise. Um, this was something of a pace meltdown as well, and it was the, the tightest of margins as Sheen Murphy got her up. Well, Sheen Murphy got her up. That is uh, a good way to put it. I thought the white birch filly in the very inside had done it. It was a, literally um, a shadow on the line, and it was one of those races where two or three horses up front, two of them from the Bob Baffert barn in the distaff, went crazy pace. Such a pace that if the winning post was down the end of the back stretch, they wouldn't have won. And uh, these two fillies came from way off the pace to nail uh, the rest of the field. And it was a clever ride by Oshin. He's got his championship in the bag. He wants to be competing at the world stage, and he's done it again. Yeah, it was done by Roden Flavian Pratt Farside that just missed out. Wonder if the pace they went in that race impacted what happened in the classic. Um, and then we had Golden Powell way back at the, the start of the night, all but at the start of the night, seems like forever ago now, proving himself as the the top quality sprinter, the best Wesley Ward has ever trained, question mark. That's seemingly what he said afterwards. This was him at his very best. Yeah, he's a genuine bullet, and I suppose a lot of us were disappointed that he didn't show that in the July Cup, because Wesley, he doesn't have to put this big reputation behind a horse, the best horse I've ever trained. And when he came over to Europe, he disappointed. He didn't uh, see out the journey, and he uh, there was that was question mark uh, hanging over him here. We know he breaks quick. We know he can cruise at a high pace. But we were wondering, could he see out the five? Sounds ridiculous, see out the five. But here we are. He has set ferocious fractions, and he has crossed the line a comfortable winner. Nothing got into it from behind. The front two were up there all the way, and they pulled clear. In a sprint, I thought this was a phenomenal performance. MV relaying afterwards that um, Wesley Ward had said, next year, Royal Ascot, they won't see which way he went. But isn't it great that he will be coming to Ascot next year for all of us to see? They could be rushing off to Barn. It's I completely agree. It's fantastic that's going to be the case. Do you believe that hype, though, when he comes back to a, a stiff straight five? When I see it. Do you think you will see it? We'll, we'll bask in his glory, but we didn't see it at the, in the July Cup, and I, I, I don't know. No. No, we, I mean, it's been two times at... Um, Two times in the UK on a straight course. It hasn't quite worked out. I hope we do. But as Jane said, fantastic that they are going to try with Golden Pal. Um, we're going back now to the day before. Is there anything else you want to sum up from yesterday, Jane? I'm disappointed we didn't have an Irish winner. We didn't even nearly have an Irish winner. But that said, no. we'll bask in your glory this time. Tanawa disappointing? Very much so. Yeah. Wonder, will she go to Hong Kong? Will she be retired? Either or, she's had a fantastic career and it's a pity if she does bow out with a, an underperformance. Right, the incident in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. This was, this was high drama, it was high controversy as well. Um, this was Albar in stool two going down in the stools. Um, I, I thought the coverage actually of it was, was excellent. Um, the way that the Americans covered it. We got to see a huge amount. We'll see it shortly. But only once it was ascertained that the horse was OK. I thought they did that really well um, and conveyed that drama particularly well. And the way that they spoke to everybody involved, you know, within two minutes, um, the, the trainer, Charlie Appy, had a, a microphone in front of his face. Uh, Frankie Dettori had a microphone in front of his face on the walkback. The access out there, I think, is unparalleled. Um, and it was very enlightening for everyone involved. But there was a stage where nobody knew really what was going on because Modern Games was scratched from the race, having come out the front of the stalls. It then emerged that the assistant starter had let him out the front of the stalls. A good deal of confusion ensued. I don't think William Buick was fully aware of what was going on. Maybe that was a good thing. He then was allowed to take part for prize money only, purse money only. Um, but punters who'd backed him, they got their money back, but they didn't win on him. And he went and duly won the race. What did you make of the whole saga, Jane? I, like everybody else, I was watching it unfold. Um, we could see from our camera angle the stalls handler releasing mm. the gate. So we were never under any illusion that it was burst open by the horse. Didn't really understand why the horse is being scratched, but that is a California Horse Racing Board rule, black and white. If a horse bursts through the front of the gate, they are, or they are uh, scratched. Um, and then it was, it was blatantly a case of a, an overreaction, scratching a horse before the vet had even inspected the horse. Well, well, the vet relayed the message to scratch the horse, having not inspected the horse. Overreaction? Yeah, huge, it seems. And I thought the whole thing was just a human error. Now, we, we have our own share of misses at this side of the Atlantic, but mm. this was an embarrassing one because it happened on the biggest stage. 
And um, I know a number of bookmakers did pay out. The horse returned to the winner's circle to booze. Not the horse's fault. Not William Buick's fault. That's disappointing. I think it just it shouldn't have happened. But we, it was human error. Um, this is what the the statement said. Um, said if a horse is removed from the wagering pool due to a totalizer error or due to any other error, and neither the trainer nor the owner is at fault. The horse shall start in the race as a non-wagering interest for the purse only and shall be disregarded for parimutuel purposes. The decision leading up to today's Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf made under the authority of the CHRB. Please refer to the advisory put out by the CHRB earlier this evening for additional details and direct any further questions directly to them. There we are. I don't think I need to read any more of that. Um, that was the explanation for it. We will actually be covering a little bit more on this um, relating to other jurisdictions in, in talking points. This is just confirmation of exactly what happened because there was a stage where we thought Al-Bahar had potentially um, kicked his stable companion next door, but you'll see that his legs went the other way and this wasn't the case at all. You'll see the assistant starter, quite rightly, Jane, for, for, for safeguarding purposes, for safety purposes, opening the stalls and letting modern games out. Yes, and the stall, and stall three, of course, because um, the horse had turned sideways and was kicking sideways. But it was a very lucky escape for Frankie de Tori. Horse flipped over and went yes. back. And we saw a similar incident yesterday with Master of the Seas. And we had um, unbelievable coverage of that from a jockey cam where the horse went up, knocked his head on the top bar and was withdrawn. But for Charlie Appleby, it could have been a very frustrating week. But that crack is going to be masked by three victories. OK, just a line on modern games and the quality of the horse. Best horse in the race, juvenile superstar? For sure, classic contender for next year. OK, another one. Another one to go with Caribus and Native Trail. Could he throw one of them into Kentucky Derby mix? I hope he does. I would love that to happen. but I think European racing would love it. Yeah, Caribus, bread for it. Anyway, um, Charlie Appy sort of knows what he's doing-ish. He mightn't need us to tell him. (laughs) Probably not. Uh, let's have a look at the Irish action yesterday. It was a brilliant day for uh, Rachel Blackmore. She had her first four-timer. Welcome back, Rachel. Um, we will uh, start, though, with, I suppose, disappointment uh, for her um, because this, ho- this race, the Fishery Lane Hurdle, went to Tia Hupo um, and is now a 16-to-1 shot for the, the champion hurdle. Um, the horse in the middle successful, um, ultimately the, the horse on the outside up OK after this what do you call it a fall unseat and then almost sort of tackled down what do you make of the winner the real question is is Sean O'Keefe okay yes we're, we, we, we love talking about the horses but that man got a very very heavy fall um, Tihupo I am not going to get carried away I, I, he was a workman like horse last year he is progressive I think Calixios perhaps didn't give his run Rachel ended up having to go on down the back straight to inject pace into the race he looked like he was leaning left for much of the last half mile and that's not usually him uh, Autumn Evening is a decent type of horse, but I don't think he'd be next nor near a champion hurdle horse. And I don't want to be in tr- insulting any horse, but we are still in November. We like to get excited about March very early. That's a fishery lane in the bag for Tehupo. Gordon Elliott has these horses in unbelievable form. Mm. I was in Downroy last week. It was a harvest for him. Um, and this is just another horse on the upward curve for Robker. No surprises there that you think that Gordon Elliott's got his horses in, in unbelievable form. Given what's, what's happened and, and, and his comeback, he clearly wanted to hit this season, hit the ground running. I think Gordon, go back to when before everything happened, his horses have always been in brilliant form. That's and the case he's, anyway. he's, he's got depth of talent as well. Um, Captain Gillis took the, the Poplar Square um, for Henry de Bromhead for Rachel Blackmore. There's a, tell you what, there's a, a frightening amount of two-mile Irish chasers with, who are right up their serious quality. You look at the likes of Anergamine, you look at the, the likes of Shaq and Paul Well, Where does this horse fit in with those? Funny enough, Henry de Bromhead with a two-mile chaser that's progressive. Right. Well, that's never happened before. <laughs> uh, this guy was a good novice. He was very free. Remember him taking on All Mankind and the Arkle and the pair burning themselves out only for Shishkin to take over. This guy settled yesterday. That was the most impressive part of his performance. He's had two uh, instances he fell in the unseated in the past, but his round of jumping was definitely solid yesterday. He beats Andy Dufresne, who probably needs further than two miles, and Felix Deji, who's a little bit of a head-scratcher on the best of days. This was a nice performance and a good way for him to start his uh, season. Where Henry de Bromhead is likely to go it will be interesting, whether he goes to Leopardstown with him or if he takes him overseas. I know put the kettle on. Is the Queen down there over two miles? She's going to the Schlor. But this guy's improving, and I wouldn't underestimate him. Casually didn't even mention last year's Queen Mother Champion chase with put the kettle on. Everybody she, forgets the, the only mayor to win the, the Queen Mother. Yeah. But 
but it, it is that because it felt like a, a substandard renewal last year because Shaq and Paul Swart disappointed. I don't know what that is, but um, you know she, she also won an Arco. Yes, yeah, she did. She I loved. just think she's not ever got the plaudits that she no. deserved, and we're all guilty of it. I agree. I, you know, just just shown that. Um, words on on Rachel Blackmore then, her first ever four timer. Um, obviously, she she's back riding just just as well as ever. Um, what did you make of her throughout yesterday at Nace? Sure, what do you make of her? <laughs> she, she's back and she's uh, resumed um, resumed control. That's Uhtred, uh leaning a little bit right in the maiden hurdle. He's actually bred by my mum and dad, so I was very pleased that she got his head in front. Uh, Eric Bloodaxe, she was riding very good horses yesterday. She's riding two very good horses today in Notebook and Bally Adam, but... Look, she's a star, and she had quite a turbulent time with breaking her hip and her ankle. Yeah. And I'm glad to see her back at the very at the right time of year. You know, she's got some menu of horses to look forward to for the season. And I think um, I remember dis- dis- I remember discussing um, Bryony Frost a good while ago with Ruby Walsh on this program. Must have been three or four years ago now. And he made the point, you know, being not interesting, but if she has a, a really nasty fall. Um, how she comes back from that, and just to move those comments over to a Rachel Blackmore, you know that was a, a really nasty incident she had with her ankle and her hip, and it, and it is how she responds to that and how she comes back from that injury, whether it affects her anyway. I mean, seemingly not not none so whatsoever. No, and I suppose the, the like the pivotal part of it was she got her injuries addressed immediately within yes. 24 hours, and that then started the recovery progress that she could get back for. Honeysuckle in the Hatton's Grace and God knows what else she has on the horizon, Manila Indo at Down Royal. So this is, I just hope for the season ahead that everything stays in one piece because it's its incredible. Only Ruby Walsh himself has probably had such a menu of horses to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely frightening. Well, she goes some way to, to top leading rider at the, the Cheltenham Festival and, uh, and, and a Grand National, but you never know. Warner Brothers are surely on board, are they? <laughs> You'd imagine so. <laughs> Um, right, as far as the UK action went, uh, we're going to start with the Badger Beer handicap chase. It saw the uh, joint favourite Hurricane Harvey back in third, Potterman second. It was won by Rocco. A bit of a surprise as well, a, a 40 to 1 shot. Um, Potterman got to him, but the, the horse in front just kept on pitching, almost as if he needed Potterman to get to him to find that little bit more, Jay. Yeah, this is a, a British tr- uh, chase, a staying chase out and out. You think you're in with a chance, and the horse in front keeps pulling out really staying performance the ground is soft now we're getting better caliber of jumpers out and uh, this guy's got the cheek pieces on for a reason I'd say he's a little bit idle but uh, he literally just got a sniff Potterman got a sniff and this guy pulled out a lot more but when the rain falls we get good jumping action we've just been at Delmar with quick ground on tight track this is uh, this is the time of year now Tom um, the man that, that knows um, what Rocco needed and what he did better than anyone is Jordan Naylor, who was riding the horse. Jordan joins us now. How's things, Jordan? Oh, yeah, all good, thank you, all good. How much fun was that yesterday on Rocco? Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Um, good, nice horse to get a good spin around on. Um, jumped fantastic, travelled away lovely, and uh, he's got the job done. Did he need Potterman to come to him, or, or were you concerned when you, you felt the eventual second coming? Um, I wasn't too concerned, but it's sort of, I'm not sure if it's two out or three out. He, he was half pricking his ears. Um, so I think when he came to him, he just pushed him along a bit um, a bit more, which has like got him, you know, pushed him along. Um, so I don't think he was completely sort of like, I wasn't worried about him coming past. I feel we've talked about pricking of ears quite a lot on on this programme between, there was a, a Breeders' Cup incident yesterday and you, you've mentioned it there. As a rider, Jordan, you... Are you sort of half looking out for that, or, or when you're aware a horse is pricking his ears, you're 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 happy? You know the horse is happy. Yeah, no, I don't mind it, especially if you're towards the end of a race, because it means that you've got they're they're obviously not not that tired, and they've got a lot more a lot more to give. Where does um, that that victory rank for you at the moment, Jordan, in a, in your relatively short career? Well, how 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 high up is that? Uh, I'm not gonna lie, it's up there, but I can't help but. Um, like Beauport was quite close to me. That was my first big, big win and graded win, if you like. Um, so he was—he's pretty close to me. I got him at Sandown today in the boys' race. Hopefully, he should go well. Um, but yeah, no, Rocco's definitely up there. 
we we talk about Saturday winners, you know, terrestrial TV winners, and and, and how Im, important that is. Do, do you do you feel that just helps showcase your talents on a, on a slightly bigger stage? Uh, I think it definitely gets you out there a lot more. Um, obviously, it was a big race, and on a Saturday, everyone everyone's watching racing on a Saturday, aren't they? Um, so I think it definitely does help. Yeah. Right, um, time to talk sustainability as far as racing goes with um, COP26 on everyone's agenda at the moment. Um, we did approach the, the BHA for a, a comment on this and they got back to us and said, like other sports, environmental sustainability is crucial to British racing's long-term future and prosperity. There are already numerous examples within racing of where the sport is taking positive environmental action, the management of key resources like water and reducing non-biodegradable waste to decarbonisation, renewable energy initiatives and research into grassland management practices on our stud farms. I'm just going to skip to, the, I think, the most important bit of it, which where they say British Racing's leadership has commissioned an initial assessment of racing's progress on sustainability. Funded by the Racing Foundation, this work will seek to build a clearer picture of ongoing initiatives while identifying some of the key issues, risks and opportunities, giving us a better understanding of the action needed and the investment and resourcing requirements for developing and delivering an effective long-term plan. So... Uh, we got on to the, the Racing Foundation. I'm delighted to say that the Chief Executive, Rob Heasel, joins me now to talk about sustainability and the plan going forward. Uh, Rob, thanks ever so much for joining me. How are you? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, Rob, in the, um, the, the, the performance review and, and strategy for 2021 to 2023, you, you've listed, uh, amongst other things, environment and emerging issues. So how important, how high up on the agenda at the Racing Foundation is this? Um, well, it, it's really high up for us. It's it's one of the four pillars of our strategy for the next three years. So traditionally, we would have invested quite heavily in people issues around um, welfare, uh, equality and diversity and education and equine issues around equine welfare and equine research, but we've added two more pillars for the next three years, which are community engagement and essential, importantly as well, environmental sustainability. So we think all those four areas, they might not be short-term imperative, commercial imperatives for the sport, but they're definitely all very important in terms of its longer-term sustainability. What do you think, Rob, is the, the key area within racing that that can be addressed to improve environmental issues? Um, well, I think there's two uh, important aspects to it. So the first is the internal aspect of it. So racing actually owns or manages a massive chunk of the environment. So it's got a real opportunity to manage its own carbon and also to increase biodiversity. So I think there's great opportunities for increasing biodiversity right across the land and the environment that we manage and own but externally as well racing has got a great opportunity to influence all those people who engage with it all the spectators all the supporters all our customers all our supply chain so i think as an elite sport and you know the second most attended sport in the country we've really got an ability to influence a wide band of the population and if you think about this issue it's so it's such a huge issue and we're all hearing about it over the last couple of weeks if we haven't heard about it before. But, you know, not one person can influence this. Not one event can influence it. Not even one sport or one industry. Um, not even one country. It's a global issue. But racing can really show its, uh, you know, its ability to influence on a wide scale globally um, if it takes, a, takes an initiative here and takes a lead. It, it, the fact that it's the the, the second um, biggest sport attendance-wise in the UK, Rob, is it is it race course waste and footfall on the race course that is a, such a chief area of concern? And are there a lot of um, strides to be made with regard to improvement there, or is enough, or, or, or almost enough being done already? Do you think? Um, I think there is a lot already being done. Um, I think the challenge for us and for racing is that because because of the diversity of the industry and the way it's um, made up of so many uh, organisations, it's hard to get the complete picture of what's going on. So we are, as you said from the BHA statement, we're about to fund a piece of work that will look at um, 
the entirety of what's currently going on. Um, it'll look at the issues that we're currently facing, the risks that we'll be facing in the coming years, um, but importantly, the opportunities that we can seize going forward. Um, and it's also going to try and identify the expertise that's out there. So I'm sure um, people will hear about this review that potentially be approached. But if there are people out there who are doing uh, work in this area already, then it's really good for them to engage with the review and to hear their views and, and their expertise and bring their expertise into it, to be honest. And how exactly um, can, can they do that, Rob? Um, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll uh, make sure that the review gets um, good coverage in the media and we'll make sure it's uh, available for everybody, you know, in terms of reaching out through an email address or a telephone number or whatever, whatever we do. Um, but in terms of in terms of the broader question, I, I do come back to the uh, the internal and the external opportunities here. So internally, we've got to get our own house in order. But I think externally, we can make a bigger return by influencing those people who engage with us, um, be they, as I say, customers of ours or supply chain of ours. The uh, four areas, uh, Rob, just um, looking at the. Um, strategy for the forthcoming three years that you've got um, people, uh, equine welfare that you've mentioned, community engagement and environment and and emerging issues which we're talking about here. Is equal attention given to all of those or or, or what would you say to people that would say well surely the biggest issue there is is equine welfare and that's where your your main attention should be focused? Um, Well I come back to, to what I said previously that all these four areas are probably not short-term commercial imperatives, but all four, I think, are as equal important as each other in terms of the sport's long-term sustainability. So we've never, you know, we've never divided up the amount we can spend um, and said, you know, 30% should go on equine welfare and 70% should go on people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're keen that the industry addresses all four of these areas, but that it addresses them in a, you know, in a strategic way and gives us a framework in which we can invest. So equine welfare is vitally important um, and we are investing um, large sums into that. But we're able to do that because of the creation of the Equine Welfare Board um, and their strategy and the work that they're doing. So we'd like to see a similar approach taken in terms of people, uh, in terms of community engagement and obviously now in terms of environmental sustainability. I think it's the industry coming together, working collectively and strategically um, that allows us to get the best return on our investment and allows the sport to get the the best return from our investment. And you mentioned um, experts in the field. You mentioned anyone with ideas um, working with you. There's a grant scheme in place, is there, for, for, for any um, external influences that come in and, and help with this? Yes, yeah, so we've already started to make in investments in this area. Um, I mean, obviously, this, this is a new area to us, and we've got a, a three-stage approach to the way we make our investments. So we start by trying to build understanding and starting the conversation, which is which is where we've started with this. And we reached out to an organisation called BASIS, the British Association for Sustainability in Sport, and their chief exec, Russell Seymour, who's been really useful and, and really helpful for us. Uh, and actually, we're really encouraged because quite a few race courses were already members of BASIS. So the sport's already engaging on, on this agenda, which is really good. Um, and we've done some work with them, uh, which culminated in a presentation at the industry conference. Um, and people may have seen the piece that Bill Barber wrote in the Racing Post that was looking at ahead to racing in 2050 and what that might look like from an environmental perspective. Um, Sky Sports have also done a documentary that's aired on the on the basis of that work, which has been really powerful. Uh, we have invested in a project with the TBA as well. So the TBA have already got uh, Environmental Sustainability Working Group, and we supported a project of theirs that looked at the environmental impacts of stud farms and how they could be better run. And it looked at two different models um, and they'll be used as best practice guides and shared across the the breeding industry, which is really useful. And uh, fortunately for us, unfortunately for them, that piece of work actually won an award at the Basis Awards earlier this month. So racing effectively showing itself to take a lead in an area, which is really good. Right, delighted to welcome along Harry Fry to proceedings to what well, we can reflect on yesterday a little bit, Harry. We can talk about the season ahead, hopefully an exciting season for you. But how are things, first of all? How are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah. Long trip up? 
Not too bad, actually, yeah. No, traffic was good at six in the morning, so in Dorset, it's, uh, yeah, makes the 303 and uh, M3 like, light work at that time of day. Yeah, six o'clock's half a line for you anyway, right? It's not too bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, so pretty much, yeah. Um, whenever we have a, a get or we know who the guest coming in is and they, they have a neutral runner on the day, it's, we, we, we cheer them home and, and want them to win. Um, your horse ran very well yesterday, a, a creditable run, I thought, over a, a trip that was, was always going to be inadequate. Yeah, if the cat fits, exactly. Um, I mean, last year we, we ran him over, uh, started over offences, and um, uh, although he won and, and ran with credit, he was never reaching the same heights as he, he did over hurdles. And, and we went back to hurdles in the spring, but he, he wasn't enjoying his racing then, and he's had a good good summer break. And um, yesterday was very much just to, to get him back, mm. and it was, it was great to see him running with enthusiasm. Sean said he felt like the horse of old, and... Um, he 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 showed a really good attitude. Okay, we were no match for the winner, who was who was impressive. But um, over two and a half miles there, um, it was it was a lovely comeback run, and and we've got him in actually the valuable three mile handicap at uh, Haydock on on Betfair Chase Day. So um, hopefully he seems to have come out of that uh, in good form uh, this morning, and uh, so hopefully we go there. The handicap hurdle there that. That the race that Paisley Park's won in the past. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's, I'm what's he rated now? Uh, well, we were one fifty yesterday, so um, hopefully the, the hangover is not going to take too much of a, a differing view from from uh, <laughs> uh, on that. It's certainly not go up anyway. But um, so I mean, definitely we have, shouldn't off the back yeah, of yeah. being beaten by, like that by Bruno. <laughs> exactly. Before. So Maybe even um, dropped a bit, Harry. Well, you never know. So might be feeling a bit. Yeah, <laughs> might be feeling generous. So because I mean, we'll, I imagine we'll have top weight, but. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, he's a great one-winning three-mile hurdler, so yeah. we just think, uh, why, not, why not have a go at a valuable prize like that? So. Can he still be a, a great one-winning three-mile hurdler, do you think, or, or is he just not the force of old? Uh, well, I think, I mean, he's he's nine, rising ten. Um, uh, I mean, you know what I mean, Harry, won a, a grade one at 11, so um, who's to say why not? But uh, it was just great yesterday to see him uh, sort of with running, racing with enthusiasm, enjoying himself, so see how he, how he progresses but I imagine we'll stick to hurdles now. Do you regret going over fences at all or was it always on your mind with him? No I think we um, he was obviously bought by Simon Neer and Isaac Swede um, and they were keen to see him over fences so uh, we, we yeah well, it was it was now or never last year to, to try and um, I mean he was he was third in the grade one um, albeit when you watch the race back, it was very much under sufferance at, at Kempton in the in the Corto Star. So, uh, no, sometimes you've got to try, and mm. and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But he's he's much happier over the smaller obstacles, and that's where his future, I imagine, will will stay. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know what I mean, Harry. Um, retired and 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 brilliant, as you say, a Grade One winner at, at eleven. Um, how is he, first of all? Yeah, he's uh, well retired and and. Yeah, happy with us at, at Hard Crockermore, and uh, yeah, he's going to be very spoiled and is already very spoiled, and mm. um, uh, we're looking forward to giving him a, a long and, and happy retirement. Is that so? That's nice that he stays with you. Um, he's obviously a hugely special horse to you. Absolutely. I mean, he's a four-time Grade One winner. It's sort of uh, it's the stuff of dreams, really, and mm. um, uh, very grateful to to Mr. Mass and his family for for gifting him to us and. Um, yeah, we owe it to him now to, to give him a, a lovely, lovely home in, in his uh, for the, second, the later years. So, um, but yeah, just giving us some days we'll never forget. And challenge now is to find find another one like him. Mm. But I imagine it, we won't. It was sort of once in a lifetime from where he started. To it where was he unbelievable. Ended up, so. I, can't, I, I should yeah. have looked at the mark he started off with you with, and then yeah. go on to win a Grade One over hurdles. Can you? Is it? Is it etched in your in your memory? Yeah, one, one two, three. There yeah, you go. Yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah, difficult yeah. to forget. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Boy, he was a good thing so, of one, two, three, yeah, Harry. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you so. when you when you when you first got him, did you think seriously this could be a a winner at the top level or not? Ah, oh, no. I mean, he was a he was a maiden hurdler, and we just we bought him for our racing club at, at the time, and uh, we just thought he was a fantastic. He was going to be a great, fun horse, and he was he could run regularly, he could go and be competitive. Novice handicapped that season. Um, so when he went and won his first race, and then his, and it just kept snowballing, snowballing, snowballing. Mm. And I remember we won a Temps qualifier at Exeter, the, the race before the Cheltenham yeah. Festival. And a sort of bit of a quandary. Well, 
we go for the Potemps or novice Albert Bartlett and of course I mean it was an easy decision in the end because only a novice once so we went for the Albert Bartlett and um, well the rest of history it was uh, yeah, it was a great day so uh, Noel gave him a, a fantastic ride and and a day our re- the members of the racing club will never forget as, as we, mm. we know it neither so what was the best day with him? Was it that day? Uh, well, that that was special. Obviously, it was our first and only Champ Festival winners to date. But um, uh, I think actually the the day it's actually memory that I mean it's sort of hard to choose between his two punch down festival mm. successes. Um, I mean, he obviously went back the following year to to Cheltenham and as red hot favourite for the Stairs Hurdle and and got beat, only finished third. Um, and so then to come out. A month later, and it was an absolute ding dong of a battle with Nicholas Canyon up the straight to yeah. Punchdown, and and to just come out in that tussle was to see two really good horses, two brilliant jockeys at the very best. It was that was special, but and but I think just narrowly topping it, it was two years later and coming back at the age of eleven. He got um, a really good reception yeah. that day. I was fortunate yeah. enough to be there, and the the, the Irish crowd had really warmed to him. Yeah, and it was just because I mean he'd obviously. Been a brilliant horse was a great horse, but just obviously he was eleven. He's not getting younger, and and so days were beginning. His better days looked behind him. So to come come back to so that unexpected um, win at that level was just yes, very special. So you mentioned you got to find the next. You know what I mean, Harry? Who is it? Well, hopefully there's a few in there that <laughs> might. Yeah, <laughs> they've got a long way to go yet. But yeah, there's a few at home that, that possibly yeah. Could, could go all the way. Um, you or we were. I think everyone was very excited by Metier, who we last yeah. saw at the Cheltenham Festival in the Supreme. What the, the perfect season for Metier is? What Harry? Uh, well, he ends up a, a, a multiple Grade One winner. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> over, it's, um, over hurdles. Right. Uh, I mean, we're we're starting off. Um, uh, hopefully, back at um, I say back going to Newbury at, at the end of the month um, and. Uh, for the Jerry Field, and he's got a mark of 144. Um, and it was actually a race that Rock on Ruby won uh, on his first start uh, of his second season as a hurdler that he then went on to subsequently win the champion hurdles. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's a champion hurdle horse yet. I mean, he's got a long way to go, but um, we're hoping maybe down the line he, he might develop into that. But there's no point in me sitting here and talking about it. He's got to go and deliver on the race course. And um, so we think that's a nice starting point and then see see where the sort of season progresses from there. Were you disappointed with Cheltenham? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he was a good winner of, of the Tolworth and um, I know people were knocking the form and things like that, but still you could only go out there and win it. And um, I mean, Cheltenham, I, I mean, that was probably our, our last really good day of the, of the season um, uh, at Tolworth Hurdle Day. Jan, we had a double there and white hot chilli filly won the listed um, mayor's hurdle on the same card for, for chasing gold. And, and then from then, just the, everything sort of seemed to go to pot, really. <laughs> we, <laughs> we went for weeks without a winner. And um, it just, yeah, despite uh, everyone's as, as hard work. As goes, yeah. coming into the Cheltenham Festival, that's not a good time to feel out of form. Did no, anything exactly. come to light? Well, yeah, there were some horses where some horses showed signs of, of of a, of our challenge and others didn't and um i mean he instantly was was we were very happy with going into Cheltenham. he'd been and galloped and and done a great great piece of work around Wincanton and um it actually he had and what it, it came back was i mean he had a, a very i mean sort of rare first time i come across it but he actually had an inflamed infected artenoid cartilage which is makes up part of the larynx so essentially he couldn't he couldn't breathe so um, you can sort of forgive him. Yeah, that <laughs> Not, was after Cheltenham. Yeah, that was immediately post post Cheltenham. We sort of diagnosed that. So uh, I think we we can forgive every horse one bad run, and certainly we gave him decided to just give him the seat, the good summer break to get over. And pleased to say he's done that. And um, uh, although we'd sort of initially thought we'd be starting off maybe in a great wood, we'd just not. It's not quite going to be ready until the end of the month. So. Uh, we think, yeah, Jerry Fieldman's a, a lovely race to get all uh, being well, get his campaign underway. What, come the end of the season, what do you think is likely best distance is going to be? Well, I think he um, he will get further for sure. Um, and I was mulling that over the other day, actually, if we go starting two, would we be going up in trip at the Fred? But um, I don't know, it'd be interesting. I mean, he is, he's still only five, so um, I think, 
I mean, the, the form he showed in, in testing ground last year, um, I think as he gets older, he'll definitely be going up and chip. But for the minute, we'll be sticking to two and, and seeing how he can progress in, in that division. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned White Hot Chili Philly won, won on that day as well, yeah. um, considering your excellent record with is that I, I think I say that a lot Harry Fry is very good with Mayo is that, do I, is that overdone do you think or is that is that I, true you uh, seem to have a very good record with yeah. Um I mean we yeah I mean we've been lucky to have some some very good mares. Um and my first grade one when a bit of a puzzle was, yeah. was over in Ireland was obviously that's the mayor's um, novice hurdle there so at Ferry House's Easter meeting so um, yeah I, I don't know it's yeah, we don't. We obviously like training mares, and mm. um, it's yeah. There've been been some some very good good horses. That's, today, that's White Hot Chili Philly um, yeah. winning, as you say, at Sandown on Tallworth Day, and then she went on to Cheltenham and it didn't work out again. No, she. I mean, she's a proper mudlark, and um, she needs yeah proper soft ground. I mean, obviously beating um, Stormy Island there, who went on to win um, Grade One at, at, at Punchestown, but. Um, uh, yeah, she's she's just a real tough and consistent, great horse for 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 that the racing club chasing gold. Who who are great supporters of ours, and 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 Tom Chadney does a, a really good job um, uh, giving giving everyone some some really fun days, and we got some nice sort of horses to run for them. And she, but she's the top of the list. If I looked at the the yard um, owners wise, there does seem to be a good mix of you know the high end, very top quality owners, but a lot of good fun racing clubs as well is that something that you at the yard have, have, have tried to embody absolutely i mean it's uh i mean racing club syndicates are a great way of, of being involved and um it's great if you're in a position to have your own horse and and maybe multiple horses that's that's fantastic and we're very grateful for for the support of of those owners and but uh, it's obviously not everyone's in a position to do that so we try and make ourselves yeah affordable for 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 any bracket for whatever level anyone wants to get involved in hopefully um we're sort of approachable and ready and we can cater for for anyone's needs really so um, yeah, it's, it's a good balance, a good blend. Um, at the same time, not being sort of overly dependent one way or the other. Mm. I think that's important as well. Right, time to welcome along David Bass, who is alongside me. Um, we're going to um, talk about the, the season going forward, first of all, and, and the start to the season we've had. I, I mentioned to Harry Fry that we were cheering on If the Cat Fits yesterday. Um, El Presente ran yesterday in, in search of defending his Badger Beer crown. You think you, had a, you think you were in there with a, a shot pitching, or did you know your time was up, David? Um, yeah, no, El Presente ran a good race. Uh, it was strongly run contest on on quite quick ground um and he probably he probably just needs needs the marathon trips now um he he ran on really well to finish fifth he's doing his best work at the end um yeah so i think we'll we'll aim him for the you know the marathon races uh probably on right-handed tracks um but yeah no he ran he ran a solid race so i was pleased with him better going right-handed is he has to go right-handed he seems to be better going right-handed yes uh we've we've since his um, novice hurdle days, he used to used to sort of hang a bit right. So we, um, yeah, we tried to campaign him on right-handed tracks. And I suppose we we <laughs> said the same about vindication at one stage. For all his trainer was adamant that wasn't that wasn't the case, and maybe you were as well. Um, I mean, it was sad to see him bow out. Uh, I, I suppose, given you know he was such a good horse. But did, did you feel he achieved everything you you wanted him to, or nearly? I think so. Um, I think we we did unbelievably well with the horse um he always had niggly issues um i'm pretty sure he fractured his pelvis before he'd ever ran in the race um so you know he wasn't an expensive horse he you know he probably exceeded our expectations and um yeah it's, it's very sad that i won't be riding him again but at the same time i'm glad that he's he's got out in one piece um he had a brilliant bunch of owners that you know, they, they enjoyed every minute of, of, of the ride. Uh, so I'm, you know, you're always worried with a horse like him. He's had his problems. You really don't want to see him get injured on a track. Um, so, he, look, he's out in one piece and hopefully he can enjoy a happier retirement. You talked about a great bunch of owners and we were just, I was just talking to Harry Fry about the, the syndicates that he has there. I feel Thorndale Farm is a place where um, they really embody great groups of owners. Owners seem to have a good time there. Is that fair? Yes, it, it, that's that's fair, and and that's very important to the whole sort of 
um, the ethos of the yard and the way the way Kim and and the team you know want it to be to be run. You know, everyone's welcome all the time. Um, I really enjoy riding for you know individual owners, the syndicates. Um, there's a there's a you know a range of people, um, and and yeah, I, I I hope that they really enjoy having a horse with with Kim Bailey. I thought you were going to say I really enjoy riding for Kim then. Um, sometimes. <laughs> I, I genuinely find the relationship between the, the two of you, maybe the three of you with Matt Nichols in there as well, like, I find it really interesting. You, de- you definitely, it seems you'll speak your mind, you seem to have a very sort of, you know, uh, open talk amongst yourself. I was going to say open relationship and then that sounded wrong. It seems you have a very, <laughs> you are very open with each other. Um, yes. No, it's it's a it's a interesting relationship. Um, we get on well most of the time. Obviously, sometimes sometimes our egos probably get the better of us, and uh, especially mine and, and my attitude can come out. And um, do you have an ego? I'm just saying uh, that seriously. Yes, yeah, I have to have to manage it sometimes. Uh, yeah, look, I, I I suppose that I just like him and and Matt. We care a lot about. Um, what we're doing, and we, and we want the best results for for the team and for the owners. So, and at times we can, you know, it can get a bit heated. But um, do you disagree on certain things relating to some horses, what they might want, how they might want to be ridden? Does yeah, all the time. Yeah, we, we we disagree all the time, but we have to we have to work together to try and make the right decision for the horse and and for the for the owners of the horse. Mm. Um, and it's not easy, but. I suppose I I really like being part of that team and and decision making um, to try and to try and get things right. Um, you know I, I I absolutely love being part of, being part of the yard and um, you know just being in the yard riding out and and seeing owners every day and and I really enjoy that. So um, but yeah it's 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 not easy. There's there's important decisions to make all the time. And I think what comes across is. And maybe it's easier when things are going well, which ultimately, for the last four or five seasons for the, for the team, things have gone very well. But Kim undoubtedly has huge belief in you as a rider and I think trust in you as well, and that comes across. Yeah, I, 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 hope, I hope he does. Um, yeah, look, we've, we've really sort of moved forward in the past few years and, and um, you know, Kim, Kim and also Matt, they, they were keen to... To try and improve the quality in the yard, and mm. and I think in the last few years we've really we've managed to do that. And you know we started the season with um, quite a few horses rated you know over 150 or around that mark, and and that's where we want to be. You know we want to be competing on the big days. We want we want to we want to go to the big Saturdays and compete. Um, and you know it doesn't mean that we're you know, we obviously have to train every horse in the yard to the best of the ability, but but. Um, you know, being being there on the big days is is important to us now. Wasn't it in the? I think he said in the Clarence House last year with First Flow. I think he thought about halfway. He politely asked himself, "What on earth is David doing?" <laughs> I, <I'd laughs> but say, you got it, you got it right. Yeah, I'd say a lot of people probably watched that race and thought, "What was I doing?" Um, uh, probably Harry Cobden as well thought, "What was I doing?" But um, what were you doing? Well. I suppose I had a plan. I had a plan, and um, I, I, I wanted to see how I jumped the first few fences because it's important to get first low into an, into a good rhythm with the jumping, and um, and I thought if you jump the first three fences well, which is the first one up the hill and the two in the straight, then I, I will. I want to try and make ground up down the hill and and be really forceful, um, and it riding like that meant that I did take on Plitterhog early, which. For me, wasn't wasn't a problem, um, and then the way it worked out, he was brilliant up the side, and then I could fill him up turning in, um, and then go and win his race. And um, yeah, it was it was a brilliant day. What are your strengths in the saddle? What's your what's your best quality? <sighs> That's a tough question. Um, I know that you've got an ego, so I want to I want to find <laughs> out now. <laughs> um, yes, what are my strengths? Um, well, I suppose that I, I've always 
I've always been very positive as a rider. Um, I probably it probably goes back, you know, to my even when I first started in point to points, I'd probably um, you know I'd try and throw myself over the fence before the horse. Um, but I've obviously had to try and control that in, over the years. But yeah, I, I like to be positive, um, and I I suppose to me I I didn't I didn't grow up riding horses or jumping on horses and I had to find a style to um that I thought would work um especially when it came to jumping and um you know I suppose from an early age riding in points it was it was the positive um going forward style that that seemed to work for me I think that's what comes across I think when I really enjoy seeing you on a horse is when we get, there's, a, there's, there's always a point in the race where we get those lovely side-on shots. And when you're on a horse that likes to bowl along and can jump and likes to jump, you seem to have an ability to see a stride a long way out and really throw a horse into a fence. And it's exciting to watch. It, I mean, is there like, I feel like there's that thrill-seeker element to you that, that really enjoys doing that, like th- really throwing a horse into a fence. And we can look at first flow at, at Weatherby. I, I know this is a, you know, this is a, a testing day. But, um, you know, is, 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 going back to you, you seeing a stride a mile off on a horse from the front and really throwing them into a yeah. fence, is that right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I frighten myself when I, um, when I see you on a long way out. But, um, yeah, I like, to, I like to be sort of decisive and... And just go with them, but um, I mean yeah, that was an unbelievable performance in first row that day. You know that I mean that ground was as bad as I've ever ridden on. It was as deep as I've ever ridden on. And he, top weight that day. Top weight. He was never really going, and um, yeah, he just his class got him through. Um, but but yeah, I mean going back to the style, I, I I suppose I get a little bit annoyed that I'm sort of. I am pigeonholed a little bit that I'm I'm one dimensional and it does it does get to me a little bit um because I think if I want to if I want to keep improving as a jockey I need to be able to adapt and um you know I'll always be positive but I I don't always have to ride every single horse the same uh, and I and and that's something over the past few years that I've tried to work on um especially on the on the bigger days that I I can adapt and I don't have to just um, be be forceful and be overly positive. So you you'd like people to say, um, as well as David being able to be forceful and and you know go out in front, he can also smuggle one in to a, to a race if yeah. you like. But yeah. you can. It's just that perhaps you you know people see perceive your greatest quality as that other thing. It doesn't mean that the other aspect of race riding doesn't happen. But do you feel you actually need to work on that, or you just want to be accepted as such? I, I think a bit of both, to be honest. Yeah, I think I, I need to work on it, and and yeah, I, I suppose I would like the perception to be that I can, um, I can ride horses a little bit differently. Um, but it, it it can. It's a bit of, bit of a joke sometimes that I, um, Matt Nichols, our assistant, lo- loves to give me stick that I can't drop one in. But um, <laughs> you know, sometimes I sometimes I prove people wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it gives you stick about that, and I would also yeah. imagine it gives you stick about. Tottenham's trophy cabinet, so there you go. Um, definitely, yeah, definitely. But let's let's hope that um, a bit of Italian spirit can get us a trophy. Yeah. I mean, this is a VR studio, so ultimately we could mock it up behind us with lots of trophies in it, but there we are. That's two Tottenham fans talking. Um, I think also people find you an interesting character, David. Do, do you get annoyed with the vegan thing? Or do you not really care? Um, yeah, we... we, we I try try not to use the word vegan anymore. This plant-based diet is, is I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think people get put off with the whole vegan thing. You know, it's like, um, well, where does it? Just out of interest, is it from purely an animal welfare point of view that you are, or is it a environmental issue? What's behind it? Um, at first, it started off as an env- environmental thing that I thought I would try and see. Um, I thought it was a good thing to do, and I, I've obviously, being someone that has, you know, been on various diets because you know I'm quite heavy and I've I've struggled with my weight in the past. Um, I thought I would see um, what difference it would make to, you know, to managing weight. Um, so there's a f- a various you know various uh, reasons for doing it, but I'm I'm really happy I have I, I've done it because. Um, 
One of the big th biggest things for me is that my knowledge of, of nutrition, which was very, very poor when I was a young jockey, um, you know, my knowledge of, of what I'm eating and what um, certain foods I need um, and what is, I'm constantly looking what is in everything I eat now, um, which is, you know, to me very important. And, and the changes that I've felt with, um, you know, with the diet as far as my metabolism and, um, you know, maybe being a little bit sharper, um, you know, and my decision making I think is better because, you know, because nutrition has, a, has an impact on everything. Um, so, yeah, from, from an educational point of view, it's, it's been brilliant. Um, and it's, you know, I've had very, very interesting conversations about diet and nutrition. Mm. And um, that's one of the things I, with the, um, <coughs> being asked to, to work with the PGA now, um, nutrition is quite important to me to um, try and improve it on, on a race course. Um, some places are better than others, but I, I think that we can be a lot more professional when it comes to nutrition. Um, is that something you would you would like to see going forward? As your so your position now is you are president of the the, the Jumps PGA Professional Jockeys Association, um, and this of course ties in with comments you made ab about the Wangram culture and and and, and Bryony Frost Robbie Dunn case and, and the fact that there are shared spaces between males and males and females. Um, which has no doubt um, affected uh, what went on there a huge amount. Um, is that something that you would like to see addressed, do you think? And, and, and weighing rooms across the country, this is something that Paul Struthers has spoken about, being up, upgraded a, a good bit, being brought into the, you know, the, the 21st century, if you like. Does it need to happen? Yes, and, and what you say is exactly right. It, we need to bring it up to the 21st century. It's um, facilities at a lot of the tracks are just not good enough um, and you know we we need we need help and we need strong leadership um, from the BHA and from racecourses to make sure we've got the right facilities in place the right protocols um, so we can make it more professional and and, it, and it's a better workplace um, you know as far as facilities are concerned I think there was a letter written um, I think it was organised by Paige Fuller, which is three years ago, um, and, and you know there was other female jockeys that signed the letter talking about facilities, um, a lot of the tracks, and it's just taken too too long to to really improve the facilities. Um, and because it because I suppose it costs money. Yeah, and it's it, up to the tracks to, to stump up that money. Yeah, I, I'd imagine it is a, it is a, a financial issue, but. Um, I mean, it's not for me to go into the finances of how they how they're going to do it, but we need to do it with with, with some urgency, um, so we can avoid situations where um, certain people are in the wrong place. You know, when when we have heated exchanges, you know, like like we've seen.